Welcome to Charmaine Wilson, the Australian Media Podcast. Good morning and welcome to my podcast where we discuss everything about love, loss, life and the afterlife and today is Sunday Soul Sessions and today I want to talk about life rather than the soul because this is a big part of life that a lot of people are dealing with right now and I think it's time to come in and have a bit of a chat to you and today I'm talking about addiction. Now the reason I'm talking about addiction is because I have a lot of you mums out there and dads who have children who are highly addicted to some type of substance or another and they may be rejecting you or they may be um, treating you really, really badly because their addiction has taken over their mind and they are no longer the child that you may have <clears throat> given birth to or, that you, or you don't recognise them as such. But I want to tell you a couple of home truths about addiction and, and I hope that you do listen because it's a very, very important subject. Now, I want you all to know that I am an addict. I am a born addict. At the moment, I have good, healthy addictions. So I'm not, I'm not hurting myself at the moment. <clears throat> but I, I have this addictive personality. So whenever something, whenever I do something that's, um, that gives me, uh, gets the old serotones up, um, I want to do it more. In my life, I have been addicted to alcohol. I have been addicted to amphetamines. And they have been the most dangerous addictions that I have had. And in both cases, they did a lot of damage to my life and my body. And in both cases, I gave, personally, I gave them up cold turkey. But that's just, that's, that's how I operate. So I want to go to the nastier addiction of um, <clears throat> amphetamines. And I have to tell you that I think that amphetamines was one of the worst addictions that I had. Oh, excuse me. I was also addicted to nicotine. So, <clears throat> yeah, so I was, I was also a smoker. I smoked for about 25 years, I think, something ridiculously stupid like that. But anyway, so um, my addiction or my addictive habits were born out of childhood trauma in a lot of ways. And I know that they were. My parents separated when I was very young. I was five when they separated. And, um, and I, I, I clearly remember the whole process. I, that's one of my first memories. I remember the arguments. I remember, I remember um, packing up the car. I remember walking down the stairs and leaving. I remember throwing a little um, tea set plate out the house because I'd put sugar in it and it had ants on it. I remember throwing it out the window. I even remember that. I remember arriving, um, going in the train I, I remember all that, but it was quite traumatic for me. I, I, remember, I remember so many things about that. We travelled from the train from um, Ingham in North Queensland all the way down to Sydney, and this was way back in the 60s. So um, I believe we had to stop overnight at one of those train pubs or whatever they were called, train hotels. And, um, and I, I remember all those things, and I remember being so scared and going to my grandmother's house and being at my grandmother's house for Christmas Day I remember all those things, but I remember being scared and worried about what, what, what was going to happen with Dad and why, why were we there and, and, and who was the weird guy on the train that kept trying to touch my brother. It was, it was horrible. My mum was trying to protect us because there was some kind of creep on the train and he was trying to be getting close to us. And I remember all those things. It was so traumatic for me. So traumatic I pooped in the bath at the big bloody train station hotel. 
and I don't even know where that is now, but I just know that's where it was. I should have asked mum before she passed where the hell that was. I, I hate it when you don't ask things and you just wonder about it later. But anyway, and so then, and then, then time went by and we ended up moving in with my uncle and, um, and we moved house with him a couple of times and, and then my mum met my stepdad and unfortunately for me, my stepdad, um, yeah, he, he, had, he had ideas that, that were particularly healthy for a young seven-year-old girl in the house and um and he 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 sexually assaulted me just the once but it was enough to um destroy me I, I i don't care what anyone says it was enough i ended up locking the doors all the time my grandfather noticed i'd changed i became very mournful and weepy i didn't understand why someone that i actually loved was was making me feel so bad and making me feel like i was a nasty dirty little thing because i did feel like a dirty little thing um it's not nice when that happens to you but I ended up locking my doors for many, many years and, and, and unfortunately that was not his first attempt and, um, but it was his only time that he was successful. But, and that traumatised me. It really did. So I had to grow up in the house with my abuser. I couldn't tell my mum because a lot of kids who do get sexually assaulted don't tell their mum. They don't. And, just, and, and you know, you, you guys out there with your kids who are addicts, you, you don't know. You don't know what's happened to your kid as a child that may have set them off on this path of addiction. And even though you might have had a squeaky clean household, there are a lot of people out there that take advantage of children. And this is where all the bloody trauma starts. They take advantage of children. And it's not just stepdads. It's priests. It's, it's, it's camp, you know, guides, bloody boy scouts. It's camp. It's all those places where you leave your kids and trust him with these people. But some of these people are just creeps and that's all there is to it. And even though you may have thought that your child grew up with the perfect house and he had all the things and they had all the things they needed, that time you sent them to camp may have screwed their life up and they wouldn't tell you because they're scared. And you know why they're scared? Because 99% of us kids get told it's our fault and if something happens and if we tell the truth, then we're going to be in trouble and we're going to make a whole lot of crap. And that's the truth, guys. So if you have a kid with addiction who is addicted now and you're sitting there pulling your brake wondering what the hell you did wrong, you may not have done anything wrong. It may have been some creep that you, you've you unfortunately entrusted your child to, okay? But that, in my opinion, is a lot of times where addiction is born. It's right there. When someone that the child looks up to and trusts and adores breaks their spirit, man, it's, it's freaking, I nearly swore, <laughs> it's really, really hard. So I went along in life and the first thing I got addicted, I found my mum's Valium and I decided I'd scoff them for a while. But anyway, that was when I was about 13, I started to really experiment with drugs and alcohol. Um, and I was a shocker. Oh, my God. I was a shocker. If mum knew half, my well, mum's listening now, I suppose, but if mum knew, had known half the stuff I was up to back then, she would have been horrified. I mean, by the time I was 15, I was doing acid and mushrooms and marijuana and alcohol and uh and, you know, and, and, and I was I, – I didn't like myself. Um, a lot of people would have considered that I was an easy teenager because I felt like that all the boys wanted was that. And, you know, and, of course, because then you get a reputation, you start feeling worse about yourself. So you keep filling that hole with addiction, okay? You see, there's one thing about drugs. <laughs> they make you feel good when you feel like crap. 
They make you feel good. Now, you could remember when I was a teenager, I didn't really want to go home because at that point my um, my stepdad, he knew that I wanted a cigarette, so he kept trying to tempt me with cigarettes by that point. So you can imagine how it was to grow up. Now, honestly, I, I swear blind, it was only the one time. But, boy, I had to fought, fight to make it only the one time. I had to defend myself as a child constantly. So... It really made me have a really bad view of men in general. Now, my own father, my own father was a womanizer, and he, he a mum left him because he, um, he ended up with my stepmom, and she caught him in the act, and that's why we left so abruptly that day. Um, and then, then and once my dad got with my stepmom, then he had another woman, and my dad had this type of thing where he would type of let me in on his affairs from the age of eleven. So I knew he was having affairs, but once again, I got to keep bloody secrets. And it was really, really maddening because I had to keep secrets for all of these father figures in my life, okay? The addictions grew. They just kept growing. I smoked, I smoked, I drank, and I drank. Now, the only time I didn't drink a lot um, at that, that part of my life was when I was with Crystal's father because he was a really, really big drinker and one of us had to be sober, um, and that was why we separated because he was a terrible drinker. I don't know what happened to him to make him such an addict, but he, he's a terrible addict, you know. He's, he's still addicted as far as I know. He made a lot of mistakes. I suppose now it would be um, because he, he took my daughter's life in the car accident when he was drunk, but, uh, but the two of us were just lethal, like, like together with the, uh, with the acid and the mushrooms and all that type of stuff. And so life went on and I tried. I tried really, really hard. And when my daughter died, um, when my brother died, um, you know, um, we, we type of got through that okay. Um, at that point, I wasn't having alcohol because I was still with Crystal's dad. So, you know, I was just having a bit of, you know, a bit of pot and stuff like that, the old acid trip. And then time went on and then my daughter died and that was when all hell loose, broke loose. Once my daughter died, that was, I was rat shit, basically. I took up the drinking like, whoo. I could drink that stuff so fast. I became an alcoholic very quickly after my daughter died. I, I was terrible, to be honest with you. Um, the first six months particularly, I was just a freaking mess. Uh, probably seven months and I just drank and drank and drank because that's what I knew. And it wasn't making me feel better. It was just making me feel worse, but I kept doing it anyway. Um, I, I, got my, I got my life together a little bit, became an aerobic instructor, did all that type of stuff. Um, and then eventually, um, with, with the fellow I was with then was my, was my other kid's father. And, uh, we had a toxic relationship, honestly, we'd both get on the bloody rum and beat each other up. Well, he'd beat me up anyway, but anyway, that was then he's a good guy. Don't get me wrong. And I'm going to say that we were just toxic together. So toxic. Okay. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to put any, any heap on him. I mean, I gave as good as I got back then. I've got to tell you that. Um, but I ended up leaving him because, you know, it was just getting a bit rough around the edges and I didn't think the kids should be exposed to that anymore because it was getting a bit rough. So I left him and then I jumped straight into another relationship with a really an even worse alcoholic than me. And boy, oh boy, he taught me to drink, I can tell you that. Oh boy, this time I'm in my early 30s. Uh, I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old and I've got a um, seven-and-a-half-year-old and I'm in my early 30s and I'm drinking like a fish. I'm holding down three jobs, but I'm still drinking like a fish. I'm becoming a functioning alcoholic. And then, um, and then all of a sudden I wasn't a functioning alcoholic. And I did the lethal thing of driving with my kids in the car. This was after my daughter died. And so I decided that's it. I'm giving up the booze. And at that particular time, I had a friend staying with me who was an amphetamine addict. Well, guess what happened then? Woo! I found amphetamines. 
And amphetamines, I have to say, out of all the addictions, was the worst addiction. It made me feel fan-freaking-tastic. I've got to tell you, I felt like I was alive for the first time in my life. And I hate to say, I hate to, but that's how I felt first up. But what happens with every single drug you take is eventually that feeling of the high that you get becomes an addiction that you've got to keep having that high. And then you've got to have more and more and more. And then your teeth fall out. And then you start getting scabs and sores on you. And then you whole you lose your job, you lose your kids. And all of that happened to me. Everything I'm just saying happened to me. I lost my teeth. I lost my kids to the family law courts. I lost my car. I lost my house. I didn't have a job anyway because I'd given up work about six months earlier. And I lost the lot. But still I was addicted. Why? Because... Hard, heavy drugs are one of the hardest things to recover from. I have to tell you that. How did I stop having drugs? Well, for me, my spirit family came in and helped me. They started to abuse me and yell at me and scream at me every time I would be high. It got to the point I was scared to be high. It got to the point... That, I, that, that they were so horrifying to me when I was on the drugs and I didn't know it was them. I thought I had psychosis. I thought it was speed psychosis and probably a little bit of both in all honesty. Um, but that, that they were there is absolute to me um, and, and they were really um, – but they weren't they, – they were angry at me when I got on the gear but when I was off the gear they were so kind and so lovely and they basically scared me straight. And I, and I became clean in 2001. Actually, on 9-11 in 2001. And I haven't had any um, hard drugs since then. Um, unfortunately for me, though, the alcohol continued until oh, approximately 19 months ago. And I haven't had a, a drop of alcohol um, since um, January, July 29, 21, because I had to, yeah, because all of my other bad habits uh, come back to haunt me. So... I know that's a weird, true, elusive little thing, but I'll just leave that one with you. But the fact is I am now a sober person. I do not indulge in drugs at all. I um, basically feel, and I, I am so much happier. But it took me a long time to get there, guys. So today I want to talk to you about the people that you love that are on drugs. I know this has taken a long time to get there. But I want to talk to you about to the mummers that have got the kids on drugs. I've got to tell you, as an addict, the only person who is going to um, give up the drugs is, is, is the addict. You can drive your addict to a rehab centre and you can drop them off and they can do the whole three months. But the first thing they're going to do, if it was not their idea, is get back out and get on it. That's the truth. Because... I can't explain why amphetamines in particular. Now, I, don't, I can't speak of heroin or anything else like that. I've not indulged in that stuff. But I can't understand why it's so addictive. I just know that it is. And I know that it becomes your life and your world. The drama around scoring is a whole new thing. And, 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 it, and it is a lifestyle that unless you have lived it, it's really, really, really hard to understand. There seems to be no bottom of, of nastiness in the, um, in the addict's world. And for some reason, we keep on going. We keep on looking for that high, okay? 
Now, your child, if you have a child that who is addicted, I have to tell you that eventually they will find their rock bottom. Sometimes that can be death. And I'm sorry to say that to you because I know there's some of that you out there who have already experienced their child's rock bottom as being death. And I'm so terribly sorry that they could not save themselves because I have to tell you that as much as you tried to save them, as much as you tried to help them, it was always their choice, okay? It was their, always their choice to continue, okay? And you've got to remember that. I know a lot of mums who have taken their kid to every rehab in the bloody country. They've done everything they can bar locking them up and chaining them in the bedroom and their kids still manage to get the drugs. So, you know, if you are a parent out there and, and you have a child that is addicted, I just want you to know, I want, you to, I want to tell you what my mum would do with me. She knew I was terribly addicted. She was worried sick, guys. My mum, I mean, I'm 30 years old. I'm not a kid. I'm 30 years old and I've lost my own children. I'm swirling around the world of pain. My own kids with the family call, I'm no good. I'm hearing bloody voices. She knows she's losing me. She knows I'm dying. In fact, I only did die. I only overdosed um, another time. You know what she would do? She would listen. She would simply listen to me and she would listen to all my craziness about the voices and what I thought I could see. Actually, I probably was seeing it. And she would hear it all and she would ask me, what are they doing now? And she was calm as a cucumber. And then, you know, and then and she would let me talk and she would let me cry. Um, and she would tell me that, you know, maybe you should give up the gear. You know, maybe you shouldn't be having that stuff. And I said, yeah, one day, mum, one day. And you can, when I finally gave up, you know who was there with tears in her eyes? It would be my mum. She was so proud that I finally did but what she did for me was she didn't, she didn't enable me, okay? She never gave me money. She didn't even give me a roof over my head. She did um, get me groceries and she once gave me a car. That was probably a bad idea on her half because that gave me uh, the wheels to go and score again. However, she didn't know that. She knows that now. <laughs> but she gave me these things so I could get my life back together. She rang me two times a day, every single day. She rang me to see how I was, see if I was still alive, I think. But that's what she did. And i got to tell you, I appreciated that. She was the only person who liked me, the only person who loved me in those days. I know my kids type of loved me, but I think they'd lost a lot of respect for me at that point. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them one little bit. But um, because, you know, I, I was a freaking mess, guys. I was a mess. You would not recognise me from the person I am now to the person I was. So addiction is a really, really difficult place to be in <clears throat> and your addicts are always going to be addicts but they've got to find something healthy to get addicted to. With me, I have always found that whenever I, have, whenever I get stuck, I start exercising because exercise to me has always been my saving grace. Unfortunately, not a lot of people out there um, do do that. But that, that. That's just with me. So, so for all you mums and dads out there who are currently living with one of your children being addicted or if you have a husband or wife that's addicted, I want you to know, just give them love because that's, that, that, that's, you, that's all you've got to give them. 
Ring them up every day or text them every day. Let them know that you're listening, that you're thinking about them, that you're loving them from afar. Always, always, always tell them that you love them. Always, no matter what they say to you. Do not give them money. Do not give them money for any reason whatsoever. If they do not pay their bills, let them hit rock bottom. And I know that's hard for some of you, but you need to let them hit rock bottom. You need to let them go all the way freaking down. Because until they go all the way freaking down, they are going to keep on using. It is only when we get to our very rock bottom that addicts will decide to make the choice to change. And even then, because addiction is a disease, being an addict is a fault of the human DNA. And I have that. I have that fault. I just understand myself personally that my addictions have to be healthy. What am I currently addicted to? I'm addicted to puzzles at the moment and unfortunately bloody social media. <laughs> but that's what I'm addicted to now. But I have addictions. I am an addict. And the sooner that you can understand that your child is going to be that way, you need – and if your child becomes straight – and they give up the drugs. And, oh, I am. I'm in your court there. I really, really hope that that happens. I hope that they get their rock bottom and they do to give up. If they become straight, then you need to encourage them on healthy addictions. Think back to what they liked when they were growing up. Oh, the other addiction I have now is playing drums. Uh, so if they were musical when they were younger, maybe, you know, coerce them into going back into their music or something. There are so many things that you can do once they give up. Because what happens when you give up, you don't feel good anymore. And the thing is, 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 is and why a lot of um, addicts go back to the drug, is because they want to get that high, okay? So if your kid gives up, the trick is to keep them dreaming, to keep them motivated. See, that's what was with me. I started dreaming again. A lot of addicts don't dream. The only thing they dream about is their next fix, Okay. So keep them dreaming again. So if you're lucky enough for your kid to get off the gear, keep them dreaming. Keep encouraging them. Keep those phone calls up. All I know is that if you are a parent and your child is addicted, you just keep showing them that you love them as much as you can. Unfortunately, if you do, uh, if they say to you, Mum, I want to go to a rehab, I want to kick this, I need some help, you bloody run them there as fast as you can before they can change their mind. You get in that car and you pack, I don't care, you're in your PJs. You get them there quickly if you can afford it. That's another problem we've got in this country is there is not enough support for people who want to give up. There is The, the support is not there. Um, now, I'm going to tell you a little story that's going to give you nightmares, right? And this, this is what your kids are facing out there and I want you to know. I want you to know. Now, I want, and I, and I don't mean to bag nothing out, but I'm going to bag something out here because I think it's time. <clears throat> okay, so when I was an addict, um, there's a place up um, in, in, in this is in Brisbane called Biella. And Biella, you can go up and they will give you free needles and apparently help to get off the drugs. Okay, I'm going to put that in inverted commas. Um, anyway, so what happened was when I lost my kids, they were taken by my ex-husband to South Australia from Queensland. Now, for people who don't know, that is thousands and thousands and thousands of miles away. Um, yeah, for my American audience that's listening, that's probably – basically it's a long way I don't even know I should have looked it up before I started but it's a long way have a look at a map and you'll see 
So they got taken to South Australia. So I went up to see the family law courts um, because I wanted to get some representation to see if I could get my kids back because I was always proactive in trying to get my kids back. And so I went up there and I thought, okay, I'm going to stop at Biella on the way through and I'm going to see if I can book into a rehabilitation or if I can at least start counselling on a day-to-day basis. And they said to me, nah, sorry, mate, no counsellors here today. Uh, and this was like a Friday. And they said, come back next Wednesday, huh? Hey, love, you want to come back next Wednesday? And I said, yeah, whatever. Because what I wanted to do was I wanted someone to take me in their arms, hold me, rock me while I cried and tell me that everything was going to be all right and they were going to help me get off this shit. They didn't do that. They just told me to come back next Wednesday. So I went around the family law courts. I admitted to them that I had been using, um, you know, IV using and that I, was a, that I was really stuck in a bit of a way. And that particular visit got me lost my family courts, uh, kids. I, I lost my kids because of that visit permanently. Um, but I was honest. I didn't want to lie because I wanted to be honest that I did have a problem. But I also wanted to be honest with them and say, I'm really trying to do everything I can to get rid of this problem. And, you know, so I'm going to buy Ella next Wednesday. And they said, well, you know, you know what they said to me? They said, well, we don't think you're going to get your kids back, but you can try. You've admitted being an, um, a junkie to us, so you can try, but it's not going to happen. Well, freaking hell, can you imagine me then? Can you imagine me then, guys? Boy, oh boy, I get tears just thinking about that feeling right now. I get real upset just thinking about that. That was the worst one, the worst days of my life. So you know what I did? I went back to the Biella. I spoke to the same woman and I said, can I have some needles? You know what she did? <laughs> she sent me away with 80 of them, 80, 80 needles to the woman who just come up and wanted a hug because she wanted to get her kids back, but she can't get her kids back because she's addicted. So when you go mad at your kids because they're not trying hard enough, don't ever freaking think that they've got any help. I don't know how much help's out there now. It scares me because I know the drugs are getting harder and I know what the drugs are doing to your kids. I know that they are... It's a nightmare, guys. It's a nightmare. If you've... I can't express to you enough how hard this is for your kids who are addicted. They don't think it's hard. They think they're on top of the world. But when they go to give up, it's really, 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 really hard. The things I have seen in these, um, what do you want to call them, drug dens, what do you want to call them, ha- junkie houses, will make your hair curl, honestly. It will make your freaking hair curl. But it's out there and there's not a lot of help. So I'm not saying don't. Try and help your kids, but I'm trying to tell you that for some reason it's got to be the addict's idea to give up. But don't stop trying to help them. Don't stop trying to tell them that you love them. Don't stop trying to talk them out of the drug. Don't stop trying by any means. Just do it gently. Don't do it angrily, because when you start being angry, then they then then then, then your addict. Is going to think, oh, God, I can't go to mum anymore because she's real angry at me, so I've got nowhere to go to. So where are they going to go to? To the dealer. So don't get angry at them. Get frustrated. They just, oh, this is so frustrating. I wish you could just give it up. But don't get angry because anger is going to push them further. And I know I, and I know that these are just words and I know that 
that you know that that sometimes words can't help but I, I just want you guys to know that your kids are in hell whether they know they are or not they may not have reached hell yet they might not have reached their bottom yet they might not they might still be at the yoo-hoo, this is great stage that only lasts I've got to tell you guys that really this is great stage Gosh, if it lasts six months, I'll be surprised. It doesn't actually last six months. Then it becomes a problem and then it becomes an addiction and then it becomes a burden and then it becomes your life. So the reason I'm telling you this story and burying my soul is because I want you to know that now the two things I want you to know. If your son is – if your church – sorry, if one of your children is an addict – just send them love, 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 send them love. Try, try, try. But if you are unfortunately one of these mums and dads that have lost or any person that has lost a person to addiction and you tried, just know that it was always their choice. Always their choice, okay? They could have stopped at any time without too many repercussions. I know, you know how I know? Because when I gave up speed, it was cold turkey. When I gave up alcohol, it was cold turkey. Cigarettes, I used nicotine gum. But it's the truth. So be easy on yourself. Keep sending that child or that husband or whoever it is a little love. But for God's sakes, just understand it has to be their choice to give up as much as it is their choice to participate. Now, I know that this is a very, 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 very hard Sunday Soul Session for me to get through. I don't like talking about my addictions because, you know, it's a place that I once was. I am no longer that person. I was a very sad, sad person. And the reason I was addicted are the reasons I've laid out very clearly to you. Um, so stop trying don't be angry at your kids. There's a reason that they're there. You may not know the reason, but there's a reason. Don't be angry. Do angry. Okay, I'm going to leave that with you now. It's a bit of a somber day, and I'm sorry about that. I will be back tomorrow with Mediumship Monday. In the meantime, you guys take care of yourself. I hope that today has helped some of you people out there. Happily, I know that some of you are thinking, oh, well, this doesn't apply to me. Thank goodness. <laughs> I love that it doesn't apply to some people. I absolutely love it. I adore it. Anyhow, you be good now and you be kind to you and you remember, you just keep loving people and you keep loving your people and you're going to get that love back. She talks to angles. Oops, angels. <laughs> You'll come back now. <laughs>